0: Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you have tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Changes. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message.
1: Speaking of our pastors, I am not the senior pastor here at Crossroads Community Church. My name is Thomas. I'm the youth pastor. Pastor Lee is sick. He has a kidney infection. He spent half the day in the hospital yesterday. He got a shot. He had 104-degree fever. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to him today, so we want to just stretch out our hands and, at the camera. I know he's watching. If everybody could just close your eyes, stretch out your hands towards the camera, we'll say a prayer for him. Dear Lord, we just thank you for Pastor Lee. Lord, we thank you for his grace. We thank you for his love. We thank you for what he does for each and every one of us in this body of believers, in this church. And Lord, we pray for a special anointing over him, Lord. We pray for healing. We pray for a hedge of protection around him. Lord, we pray that the medicine would heal him. We pray that he would be back, ready to go next week to continue the series on angels and demons. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and everyone said together, amen. The Bible says when the elders come together and pray, that healing takes place, and I truly believe in that. So for those who are listening on Facebook or the podcast, we are taking a little break from Angels and Demons this week. I'm going to preach on something different. Then next week we're going to continue that series. Um, so just keep pastoring your prayers and shoot him a text later on today and, and tell him you're thinking about him and tell him that you love him and that we miss him. Um, I miss him. And I just found out on Friday night that I was preaching uh, late Friday night. So please extend me a little bit of grace because uh, I didn't have the time to prepare like I normally would. But I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit is bigger than what uh, the my situation is and the Holy Spirit is bigger than my circumstances. So even though I haven't prepared as much- I know that he's going to fulfill me, and my confidence is in the fact that he's never forsaken me, and he's never abandoned me, and he's always been there for me. I want to start with a little story. This past Friday, I was off work, and my beautiful wife was off work, and we had an opportunity to go to lunch together, and we went to lunch, and we were just talking, and we washed my car because that's important on our day off make sure you got to keep the car clean we were talking and we were saying what we wanted to do for our daughter for that day she's been bugging us to go to six flags over and over again she's like let's go to six flags and we just haven't had time she's back from a year-long deployment she's working crazy long hours like 16 17 hours a day so we haven't had much time to hang out so we said what we're going to do is we're going to take our daughter to six flags so we got our clothes her clothes together and we went and picked her up from school at three o'clock and we didn't want to tell her what we were going to do we wanted it to be a surprise so we picked her up and we said, we're going to take you somewhere today. It's a special, it's a surprise. And she said, Six Flags! Six Flags! Right? Super excited and super energetic. And, and there was just a joy in her that I could only consider as unspeakable. And I said, no, we're not going to Six Flags. And she says, Dad, I can see the Six Flags passes in the front seat. I said, oh! She saw the passes, that little bugger. So... The whole drive to Six Flags, she's super excited. There's this song from uh, Black Knight called Bible's in the Air that she loves, and she always wants us to play that song. So she's like, Dad, let me be DJ. Bible's in the air, Bible's in the air, put your hands up, right? She, she wanted to sing this song and play this song, and she just had this joy that was just so unspeakable this entire time. So we get to the parking lot. We park, and she took off running. She's running away, and I'm like, hey, get over here. You can't run through no parking lots, right? You're going to get hit. We get to the spot at Six Flags, you know what I'm talking about, where it's a big, long walk. Big, long walkway, and you can walk in that, in, that, in that spot. And she's running, and she's dancing, trying to get up there, and she's doing the floss. You know what I'm talking about? And the orange. Why are you laughing at me? She's doing the orange, right, in the floss, and she's going crazy. She's running, she's singing, she's dancing, doing all these things. And I just started thinking, and this is before I knew I was preaching today. I started thinking, what joy is it for a child to have to be so happy about something, right? And it's something as simple as Six Flags. And I started thinking about myself. I started thinking, do I have that much joy in anything? Do I have that much joy in anything, right? The Bible says our joy comes from the Lord. Our strength comes from the Lord. And I started thinking, do I have that much joy in the Lord? Do I have that much joy in the Lord? Do I have that much strength in the Lord that this faith of a child, she's so happy about Six Flags. Can I be that happy about the Lord? Right, because that's what we should be. And I started thinking about you guys, who I love dearly. And I said, "Does, does, does our congregation have that much faith and strength in the Lord that they're that excited to do floss, right, when they hear about the name of Jesus? Or do the orange, right? Are they that excited about our Lord and Savior, right? Because we should be excited about God, what he did for us. It should excite us. It should inspire us. It should motivate us. And I'll tell you one thing about my baby girl. She has faith like no faith I've ever seen. She's brought up and she only knows Christian schools, and her faith is strong. And she's my inspiration. She inspires me through her faith. So I started thinking about you guys. And then Pastor, miraculously, he asked me to preach that night, that same night when I was thinking about this. And so I said, you know what, I want to I wanna be, I started thinking, I want to be a pastor of a church that takes people deeper. And like Zach said, this whole year has all been, been about taking people deeper, right? Because it's one thing to get saved, but then it's another thing to go deeper in your walk and have Bible engagement and, and, and walk with Christ. And so I want to be a pastor of not people that check boxes that just come to church, but people that want to go deeper. And so today I want to take us deeper into the scripture. Would that be all right today if we go deeper? And I think it's important... I think it's important that we go deeper in the scripture. So let's get started. Most of us have heard about the Sermon on the Mount. Amen? One of Jesus' greatest sermons, it's in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because the Bible says his disciples came and they gathered around him. There was a great crowd of multitude of people. He went up on the mountain. He began preaching and teaching. The disciples gathered around him. And then one of the, the translation or the, the versions of the book says that the disciples and the people gathered around him. So I just see this vision of Jesus on a mountain giving the greatest sermon known to man, preaching it and just killing it, right? Just killing it. And then they're listening to what he has to say. And I can just see that in my mind. And if you haven't read the book of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and haven't read the, the Sermon on the Mount lately, I definitely recommend that you read it. And if I was to summarize the Sermon on the Mount in one sentence, it would be this. How to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing God, free from hypocrisy, full of grace, full of wisdom and discernment. Let me read that again. If I was to summarize the Sermon on the Mount, it would be how to live a life that is dedicated to pleasing God, free from hypocrisy, full of grace, and full of wisdom and discernment. And when I read that sentence, I get excited, right? Because I need a life of pleasing God. That's my main function in life, right? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Mine is to please God. That's my my function, right? I need to please God. Who in here wants to please God? Amen? We need to please God. We choose to please God, or we want to. Sometimes we fall short, which is where the free from hypocrisy comes in. We want to have a life that's free of hypocrisy. Right? We don't want to be like the Pharisees and be judgmental and judge people and condemn people. We want to be just right, lift people up and build people up and love people, and then a life that's full of grace, full of wisdom and discernment. Knowledge and wisdom are a little different. Knowledge is something you gain from reading, but wisdom is gained from experiences, from trials, from tribulations, and we want a life full of that wisdom. Amen? We want a life full of wisdom. And then discernment. I need to be able to make decisions. As a spiritual leader in my household, I need to be able to be wise and be able to make the right decisions. And have wisdom and have discernment. And know when to decide and when not to decide. And when to engage in conflict and when not to engage in conflict. And I need to know when to, to evangelize people and minister to people and when not to. So, so Jesus teaches about all these things in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about things like love, the law. He teaches on attitudes, lust, divorce. He teaches on revenge. He teaches on enemies, He teaches on giving, fasting, feeding the needy, uh, producing fruit, looking, seeking, and knocking. We could all use a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount in our lives today. Amen? Amen. So today's text that I'm going to talk about is from the Sermon on the Mount. And the title of my sermon is, Are You Salty? Everybody say, Are You Salty? I can't hear you. Are You Salty? salty? That's the title of my sermon today is, Are You Salty? And it comes from Matthew 5.13, and I'm only going to preach seven words today. Well, I'm only going to use seven words to preach The scripture we're going to use today is You are the salt of the earth. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about is salt. We're just going to talk about salt. Who likes salt? We're going to talk about salt. That's it. You are the salt of the earth. So we're going to talk about salt today, okay, and what that means. So when I was preparing for this, I was thinking all the things that Jesus could have said to the disciples and to the people was He could have said, You're the hope of the earth, you're the light of the earth which he does say, you are the the love of the earth, you are the majesty of the earth, you are the perfection of the earth. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And I was thinking, was Jesus confused? Because I'm not salt. I'm a person. I'm a human being, right? Was he confused? And then I started to think about the context of who he was teaching and who he was talking to. And I'm reading this book in seminary. It's by Robert Gallaty, and he's got a Ph.D., so he's got a big big head. He's a genius. And um, he's a senior pastor at a Baptist church, but he's a theologian. And he talks about the disciples, so in order to understand this text, we need to understand the disciples. Most theologians believe the disciples were very young. With the exception of Peter, they weren't married and they were between the ages of 15 and 18. Okay? And we know this from a couple different things, that they were young men. And in the Jewish culture of education and learning, the pedagogical system of learning, they went through phases. The first phase was scripture study at the age of 5. Mishnah study at the age of 10. Torah obligation at the age of 13 continued rabbinical leadership study at the age of 15, if chosen to be tutored by a formal teacher, marriage at 18 and formal teaching at 30. I said the only one that we know was married from the text was Peter. The rest of the disciples weren't married, so we understand they were young because they weren't married at 18. We also know they didn't make the cut. What I mean by that is the disciples, Jewish boys, were picked by rabbis to go and study underneath them. Okay? The disciples didn't make the cut for whatever reason. They didn't make the cut. So when Jesus came along as a rabbi and said, Come follow me, we can understand how excited they were. They're like, Yes, sir, I didn't make the cut before, but I'm coming now because I got a rabbi that's going to teach me. So they were pumped up and they were excited, right? We can also understand that the disciples were a little immature. Jesus gives us this communion celebration that we celebrated today, and immediately after that, what do they do? They start arguing. Who's the greatest, me or you? What kind of. He says, I'm going to prepare a place, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to die on the cross. This is the bloodshed for, for you. This is the new covenant. This is the bread. with is my body. And they start arguing with each other over who's greatest. Immature, right? He was a rabbi. He was building them up, okay? So, and, and one thing I've learned about studying the Bible, and, and, and Zach said it today, Jesus is radical. His teachings are radical, he flips the kingdom upside down. He changes things and he makes you think in a different way. And I'm really starting to analyze that and I'm starting to interpret that. And some of the radical things he says is, to us is he says that we should not, he says things like repay evil for good. So if someone's evil for me, I'm supposed to repay him with what? With good. Love your enemies. That's just, it's counterintuitive. Love my enemies, love those who persecute me. He says, You are the salt of the earth. What, Jesus? I'm the salt? No, I'm a human being, man. Deny yourselves and follow me. Deny myself and follow me. So deny my own self, my flesh, my desires, things I want, and follow Jesus, he says. He says that. That's radical. Become a servant. So instead of being selfish, I'm supposed to be selfless. I'm supposed to become this servant. Radical teaching. Sell your stuff and give it to the poor. I don't know about you, but I like my stuff. Who likes their stuff? Right? Jesus says, sell that stuff and give it to the poor. You can't store up fleshly things like a fat calf, James says. You can't store it up in this world anyway, so sell it because you can't take it with you. You can take the relationship you have with Jesus Christ in your soul, but that's all you take with you. He says you must hate your parents, your siblings, your mother, and your father, and follow me. He says blessed are the persecuted. Yeah. Blessed are those that are persecuted. Counterintuitive, right? What we need to understand is who he's teaching to, and we need to understand the original audience, okay? So then we understand that disciples were, were young, they were immature, they were uh, learning, They had some background in in text, but they didn't know everything, and they were just learning just like all of us. We're disciples. We're learning, right? So he says, you are the salt of the earth. My first main point, Christians like salt are of infinite value. Let's talk about salt for a second, right? I got two two bottles of salt right here, and these are of infinite value, he says. And he's telling the people that you are of infinite value. Salt, his scientific name is sodium chloride. Everyone say, sodium chloride. It has over 14,000 uses. 14,000 uses it makes up 28 percent of your human body weight salt does 28 percent of your body weight back in the bible times roman soldiers were paid in salt so they would give that instead of money they'd give them salt as payment for their work as payment for their efforts okay that's important we'll come back to that it was a very valuable commodity if your body is deprived of salt what happens who knows you get dehydrated right you could your body needs that salt some of the things that the disciples and the, the Jewish people would use it for was to remove fish odor. Apparently, when I was studying salt, will it take away fish odor? Salt will, if you boil um, eggs in salt water, it makes them easier to peel. Give that a try sometime. It makes it easier to peel, right? It makes it easier to peel. I heard it's true from His joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? So, you know I'm preaching the truth. Uh, soak, if you soak fish in scales, their scales, it makes it easier to scale the fish. So, they would use salt to scale the fish. It keeps milk fresher longer. So just a pinch of salt will keep the milk longer, uh, good longer, make it, keep it last a little bit longer. In fact, I found over 40 Bible verses on salt. 40 Bible verses on salt. But the key is, it's got to be in the right proportion. It's got to be in the right amounts. If I gargle with salt water, it's got to be the right amount. If I gargle with too much salt water, I'm going to choke. Uh, drop over, right? It's got to be in the right proportions. okay? If I put too much salt in my milk, it's going to taste bad. Okay? So it's all about the proportion of salt. It's got to be in the right proportions. And we must understand this as we move on in this lesson, in this sermon, okay? In fact, Roman roads were even built just to transport salt. That's how valuable it is. For us, we don't understand this. We don't understand this because my wife went and bought these. Uh, They're probably $1.50 each. I can just pour it out and waste it. Zach will clean up the mess later, right? And so (laughs) I can just pour it out and waste it. But what he's saying is, you are valuable. Like this salt is valuable. Are you guys with me? Does that make sense? Because salt was so valuable, he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the valuableness of the earth. You as my disciples, you as my believers, you as my followers, you are valuable like this salt. So we need to understand that's the first point that Jesus was trying to make is you are valuable. This, this entity, this salt, this, this thing that we as, as Americans take for granted, right? Uh, we take it for granted. Um, it's so valuable to them. And he wanted them to understand how valuable they were. We are valuable like that. Jesus wanted to show his teachers, or his students rather, to understand the value that they had and how important they were to the kingdom of God. That's the first main point. So you are valuable. I want you to understand that. We sang that song, God, how he loves. He loves us so much. Think about what God has done for us. In your personal walk, just in your life, what he's done for you. Just think about that for a second. And then if we look at the Bible, Think about what he's done for mankind. He created us. He freed us from the slavery of the Egyptians, right? He sent the plagues. He parted two different seas, maybe three, right? He sent quail and manna for us. He brought water from a rock. He made spears turn into snakes. He freed us. He turned, he sent us kings. He sent us prophets. He sent us teachers. He sent us judges. He's warned us about end of time prophecy and told us what's going to happen, He converted Saul to Paul, which is one of the greatest things that gave us 13 of the New Testament books, right? He sent his son to die on a cross for our sins so we could be forgiven and inherit the kingdom of heaven. We're valuable. We are the salt of the earth, and we are valuable to him. My next point the power of salt. Salt has two primary purposes for us. For that, we use it for. We use salt as a seasoning. Everybody say seasoning. And I got this raw steak here. We're gonna make Zach eat this here in a little bit. You think I'm kidding? Come here, Zach. And so it's used as a seasoning. And the meat already has flavor in it. Okay. Salt's job is to pull the flavor out of it. Everybody say pull. I can't hear it, y'all. I ever say, pull. pull. That's what I'm talking about. Get this house. I want people across the street hear what's going on Crossroads Church and be excited. So we pour this salt on this just a little bit in the right amount. Remember, it's got to be the right amount. And it pulls the flavor out. So just like the salt, we as Christians are supposed to pull the flavor out of people. What are you talking about, Pastor Thomas? You're crazy. Pull the flavor out of people? What I mean by that is we are supposed to look at the good in people. Find the positives in people, not focus on the bad in people. And we tend to condemn people. We tend to judge people. We tend to hold people down. We tend to um, look negatively on people. Our job is to pull the goodness out of people. Pull the goodness out of people. We're called to do that. Not highlight how bad people are. Let me tell you this. Everyone in here has problems. Everyone's got problems. The Bible says none are righteous. He says our, 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 our de- good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. None of us are righteous. We all have problems, right? I'm, just, I'm saying that out of love. We all have problems, myself included, right? I'm the worst of all. We all have problems. None of us are perfect. But we shouldn't walk around condemning each other because of our problems. We should lift each other up in love as a body united and mature in Christ. Flies are getting to the stake. It's going to be good, Zach. It's going to be good. So we should lift each other up in love in kindness, in joy, and pull the goodness out of people. How do I do that? I communicate with them. I talk to them. I focus on their strengths. I try to be an influence on them. I tell them the good. I I, I speak to them. I love them. I treat them a certain way, right? We all have gifts. We all have spiritual gifts God wants to pull out of us. I don't know my gifts. I have to learn my gifts, right? I need people to pull those gifts out of me. Pastor Lee's pulling gifts out of me. He's teaching me where my strengths are as my mentor. He's teaching me where my weaknesses are. He's pulling the goodness out of me. He's pulling the grace out of me. He's showing me, hey, Thomas, you're good at this, but you are not good at this at all, and we're not going to let you do it, right? And he's saying, okay, you need to, you're okay with that, but you need to build up the goodness in me. And he's not condemning me, and he's not judging me. He's not tearing me down. Does that make sense? The second thing is salt is a preservative. So in the the ancient times or in the Roman times, uh, even back in the day, they would take the salt and they would smother it in, or they take the meat and they would smother it in salt. There we go. They'd smother this meat. It's going to be good for you, sir. I'm preparing it nice. It's already cooked. It's got salt. And what they would do is they would rub it and they'd crystallize the meat, and that would be a preservative. It would preserve the meat, because what did they have back in the day? They didn't have no freezers. They did have no refrigerators, right? So they would unwrap their meat. <laughs> they wouldn't unwrap it. But <laughs> <laughs> They'd have their meat after they butchered it. They didn't have packaging either. And they would cover it in salt, and it would preserve it and make it last. And when I was studying, it it says it would last three to four times longer. Our assignment is to preserve God's truth. To preserve his truth. Right? What's in this Bible we're supposed to preserve. This is God's word. We're supposed to preserve it. We're supposed to be the the preservers of integrity, of truth, of morality, of justice. We're supposed to preserve these things. Right? Our assignment is to preserve his word. How do I do that? I I do that by going into the world and spreading his truth and speaking on behalf of him and being an ambassador for Jesus, being an ambassador for Christ. God has called us, just like salt, to be a preservative. So he says, says, you're the salt of the earth, right? So we know we're valuable. We know that we are a polar outer. We're a seasoning to the world. We're supposed to be a seasoning, and we're supposed to be a preservative, preserve God's truth, right? Let me tell you some statistics real fast, because we're supposed to be different from the world. Christians. It's supposed to be a little bit different, right? The Bible says we are a peculiar people. Everybody say peculiar. peculiar. Say it like that. Peculiar. peculiar. Right? We're peculiar people. Okay? So statistics show that those who claim to be Christians, the drug rate is just as high as non-Christians. Those who claim to be Christians, teenage pregnancy is just as high. Drinking, just as high. Bad attitudes, just as high. And then the divorce rates just as high. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Right, because we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. So he says, you are this salt of the earth. You are this salt, right? You are this salt. You are called to be valuable. You're called to be a seasoning to people. And you're called to be a preservative and preserve my truth. One other thing salt does, salt makes us thirsty. I don't know why, but I'm so dry mouthed today. Maybe because I'm a little nervous. But I'm so thirsty, and maybe it's because of all this salt all over the place. But salt makes us thirsty. So like that salt makes us thirsty, we're supposed to make people thirsty for Christ. We're supposed to make people thirsty for Christ. I thirst for him. I hunger for him. I want more of him. We're supposed to help people get to that point. Help them understand that, they, that there's more than just being saved, that there's an inheritance that's beyond all recognition, all understanding. And we can have this peace and this joy that is unspeakable like my daughter when she's going to Six Flags. Right? We can have this peace and this joy just like her. Because we're called to promote that thirst. We're called to influence people. We're called to influence people towards Christ. We're called to make them want to, to, to look at us and say, I don't know what, what, what Greg has but Greg has something. Greg has something, right? When, when, when things are going bad and, and the, fecal, the fecal matter is hitting the oscillating rotator in political terms, right? When things are going bad and things happen, Greg is calm. Greg is collected. Right? He has something. I want what Greg has. I want what he has. People are supposed to see that in us. Does that make sense? You guys with me? People are supposed to see that. They're supposed to see that in us. And so I want that, and I want to give that to people. But I can't do it. The Holy Spirit has to do it. But we're salt, so we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. I got these three hash browns down here. And I went today to order French fries, and I went in there, and I said, I have a random order, and I need to order three large fries. And they said, we can't give you French fries. at 7 o'clock. And I said, what do you mean? It's have it your way. And they're like, that's Burger King. It's McDonald's. <clears throat> so I'm like, all right fair enough so we have these three fries or these three hash browns they're supposed to represent french fries and they're unsalted they're all unsalted and i want to break these up into categories of people so we have this fry this hash brown this is an unsalted hash brown okay i relate this to like a lukewarm christian just kind of going through the motions checking the boxes just going through not really doing much right they believe, but they're kind of like on the fence, and, and there's nothing wrong with them, but they're not adding seasoning to the world. They're still valuable, right? Because we're all valuable in God's, God's, God's eyes, but they're not seasoning people. They're not making people thirst for the word, thirst for Jesus, right? Come taste this hash brown. It's plain, sir. Come on, Zach. We'll get him to eat that meat here in a minute. See how it tastes. Give Zach a round of applause. How's it taste? It's cold, too. It's cold. Right? It doesn't taste good. We don't want to be like the tasteless, non-seasoned hash brown. We don't want to be like that, right? And if you're like that today, guess what? You could change. You can make a change because God's mercy is made new every single day. Amen? God's mercy is made new every single day. Then we have this hash brown. I like to just call this hash brown a, a Pharisee or a judgmental, a condemning hash brown. This hash brown is too salty. What's going on? (laughs) This hash brown is too salty. This hash brown goes around. It judges people. It condemns people. It comes up and says, you're going to hell if you don't do this and this and this, right? Brim fire, hellfire, and brimstone. Time and place for that, but that's not seasoning people. That's not preserving people. That's condemning people. So taste this one, sir. <laughs> nope. Nope. Hey, hey, it's for the kingdom of God. You got water? You can have some of my water. Just taste it. Oh, yeah. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> How does that taste? Oh, oh, right in the eye. <laughs> You, you can go spit it out. We don't need you anymore. Give Zach a round of applause. So, that hash brown's no good. We don't, we don't want it to be that hash brown. We don't want to be that judgmental, condemning Christian. This hash brown is just right, it has just the right amount of seasoning, just the right amount of salt. Mmm. <laughs> Amen. Give the Lord a praise offer him. That hash brown's just right. It tastes good, right? We'll get him back up here to eat this steak here in a second. It's already crystallizing. That's funny. It's going to be gross. That's a good one. You can have the rest. Hey, give him a round of applause. That's good. So we want to be just the right amount of salt in the world, right? Because Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, and we understand that it has to be in the right quantities, in the right doses, in the right doses. My last point before we close. We must have influence with the world. My salt does no good if it's on the shelf. My saltiness does no good if it's on the shelf. I gotta go out into the world with my saltiness. Are you salty? And I gotta go out into the world and be the salt in the world. And go out into the world and have influence over people and talk to people and love on people and share with people and share the truth. And I know it's awkward for even me and even other pastors here, sometimes it's awkward just to walk into a conversation and try to evangelize somebody, right? That's where that wisdom and that discernment comes into place. To know when and where and and how to talk to people, right? Because you don't want to be too pushy, but you don't want to be not salty. You want to be just right. Because imagine that one moment where you can say one thing that could change someone's life forever. You could change someone's life forever. You could change someone's life forever. We can't let the church be a salt warehouse. We can't let the church be a salt warehouse. What I mean by that is we can't come here, be salty, love with one another, and be happy, and, and, and praise, and then leave here and forget that we're salt. We can't do that. We can't do that. That's my, that's my biggest fear is that we, as a people, would be a salt warehouse, and we'd, lift, and we'd be salt here, and then we would leave, and we wouldn't be salt. That's my biggest fear. So to be salt, we don't have to be anything spectacular. To be the salt of the earth, we don't have to be anything spectacular. We don't have to be anything sensational. We don't have to be successful by the world standards or definitions. To be salt, we just have to affect our little corner of the world, our influence, our area. What I can, I can change, what I can change, and I can affect what I can affect. My area. So let me close with these questions. Are you living like a person that understands that you are valuable? That you are valuable. Do you live your life every day and go around and understand that you have value and your value is in Christ, not the world? Do you understand that? Because that's what he tells you. He says you're valuable. You are salt. You're valuable. Are you living as someone that can positively influence others? We all have influence. We all have influence. I can influence people positive, or I can influence people negative. Am I positively influencing people through my actions, through my decisions and through my behaviors? Or am I taking them down the wrong way? Am I taking my responsibility as being salt seriously? Am I taking my responsibility to be salt seriously? Am I living like I'm valued? Am I living like I'm a preservative, like I'm a seasoning? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I like the salt that doesn't have any seasoning? And it all starts today. It all starts with you making a decision to follow Jesus Christ and surrendering and accepting him into your heart. And if you haven't made that decision yet, every day is a new day and you have the opportunity to. Some of us have made that decision and we've fallen away. Some of us haven't made that commitment yet. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still on the fence. We're still trying to figure it out. But today's the day that you can be changed and transformed forever. His mercy is made new every day. And today is the first step. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak today. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I hope that someone's life was changed and transformed for the better. I pray, Lord, that they heard this message, they received this message, and they want to be the salt of the earth. That they would understand how valuable they are. They would understand how loved they are. Lord, that they would understand how much you love them and you would do anything for them. That we're called to be preservatives in the seasoning of the world. We're called to be the spice of people's life. Lord, I pray today if anybody hasn't received you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that today they would make a commitment to accept you into their heart by believing that you died on the cross, that you rose three days later for their sins, and accepting and understanding that through you, if they call upon your name, they can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I just thank you again for today. Lord, we want to lift up Pastor Lee. We pray for him to be healed. We pray for comfort. We just pray that he would come back to us so he can continue to lead this church in the way we need to be led as sheep. Lord, I thank you. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And everyone said together, amen.
0: Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.